no one is immune from trauma because we live in a sinful world. It's not because you're bad, wrong, different, or broken. It's not about who you are because who you are is God's chosen. Who you are is a wonderful masterpiece created by a loving, caring God. And so our, our goal is to get back to that place and you can do that with help. Uh, reach out, don't be afraid. Uh, the, the one thing the enemy tries to do is saying, you're, you're, you're the worst case. There's no hope for you, but there's hope for everyone. Welcome to the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast, your place to reclaim your life after betrayal. My name's Jen Howie. Welcome friends. My name's Chris Rocha. Jen and I are pastoral sexual addiction professionals and coaching experts with over 20 years combined experience. And we are so glad that you joined us today for today's episode. Today, our guest is Eileen Fagan. Welcome Eileen. She is an LPC. She's a CSAT. She works really with quite a few things, including addiction, anxiety, attachment issues, codependency, coping skills, a long list of things like depression and divorce and emotional dysregulation, which by the way, we will be talking about today. Um, also uh, family conflict, grief, infidelity, uh, PTSD, sex addiction, spirituality, trauma, a lot of things, Eileen, one wickedly smart woman. Yeah, she could also probably do some plumbing, uh, perhaps some <laughs> little woodworking jobs around the house. If like, is there go to the moon, perhaps <laughs> space hey, walk? I, I, I put a glider rocker together the other day, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about that. Wow. See, there's. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's quite a few things I can't do. Well, let's stick with what you can do. So, in addition to what Jen said. Through her private practice, Eileen provides cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, Gottman Method, psychodynamic therapy, trauma-focused therapy for couples and individuals, and she offers pastoral counseling through Pure Desire Ministries. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm pretty impressed. I would say I'm slightly intimidated, but at the same time, uh, she is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen and known. So it's kind of hard to be intimidated by someone who's so, so sweet looking. But <laughs> she's one smart cookie. And we are really, really glad to to have you here. You're going to be speaking on the subject that actually has been a focus of yours lately, trauma and self-regulation. You are exactly what I needed in my healing journey. Yeah, it's what we all needed. Uh, and one um, set of initials that you missed because I just finished it was a certification in um, as a certified uh, clinical trauma professional. Wow. Because we really have to understand, I use this term all the time and I, I probably talked to you about it before, it is um, the order of operations. And there's an order of operations in recovery from trauma. Mm -hmm. And understanding that is kind of the key in my mind to to healing. Is that from, something you're going to go over today or can we hear a little bit more about it right now? Yeah, I'm going to go over okay, it. Okay, great. I'm looking Good. forward to that. <laughs> I am too, because order of operations, that that sounds very, uh, very helpful and, and everything. But in the meantime, Eileen, we'd love to get to know you as a person a little bit more before we get started. Would you give our listeners a little background on yourself? Yeah. So I'll start with personal. Um, uh, 
I was born in a small town. No, I wasn't really. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I am a mother of three. I am a, um, I, I have a master's degree in uh, clinical mental health counseling from uh, right here in Oregon State. Uh, met my, yeah, yeah, woo. Yeah. <laughs> um, although we're technically platy, platypi. Do you have a duck in your family? Because, yeah, we have we have a, a, a duck in our extended family, yes. So I'm, I'm trying to be neutral here. That's so. okay. We can, we can continue. It's all right. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I met my husband, Bill, uh, in grad school. So, uh, and we, um, I'm, I'm drifting into professional here. Uh, we did, I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to land uh, professionally, what people group I wanted to work with. And so in my internship, I did everything. I, I started with, uh, in a therapeutic nursery, went to, um, worked with troubled youth, worked with um, an end of life care at hospice, um, did all kinds of things. And I eventually settled in developmental and behavioral pediatrics for about six years. And that is, it sounds like I worked a lot with um, children and I did, but it was mostly families and couples. And that's where I got the fever for working with couples. Mm -hmm. And so um, Bill and I, uh, long story, really short, we kind of ended up at the same practice uh, and we decided that we wanted to learn more about uh, couples counseling. And so the most researched, most evidence-based is Gottman. So we did all three years of training for Gottman. We stopped short of certification, uh, the certification process where you send in recordings of um, working with couples and they critique you and you do so many hours of that because we heard about pure desire. Oh. And so uh, when we looked up Pure Desire and here's God's providence, they just happened to be hiring. And so uh, that's kind of how we ended up with Pure Desire Ministries. Wow. So, and then we also have a short private, I say short, a small private practice <laughs> um, uh, that we do just um, kind of to supplement our work with Pure Desire. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. And that's where that's where you and I met. <clears throat> and I specifically mm -hmm. remember when we really started to connect because I had just been hired on. I was a little overwhelmed with the task and you sent me an email that told me all the things that I needed to hear in that mm -hmm. moment. And you are such a gifted encourager and incredibly talented therapist. And I, as I've been learning from you over the last couple of years, um, I, I cannot wait for our listeners to hear what you have to share so they can grow, hopefully, maybe not as well as I did because I had one-on-one -on -one counseling with you. But <laughs> today you are talking about self-regulation and this is a betrayal, um, recovery transformation podcast. How does, what is self-regulation and, and how does that apply to betrayal? Yeah. So in order to um, understand self-regulation, I'm going to teach you a new word. And that word is interoception. Maybe you've heard that word before. But this is your ability to be able to understand what's going on in your body at any particular moment. So um, this is, and, and it's very important. This is what tells you when you're hungry, uh, when you need to put a jacket on, when you need to use the toilet, all of these things that um, we rely on um, understanding these things. With, um, with 
uh, emotions, it gets a little more sticky, especially if we've had trauma and we're practicing quite a bit of avoidance mm -hmm. where we tend to kind of numb out from or, or just try to avoid what's going on in our body. So, um, but that's kind of how we know, um, uh, that's how we kind of regulate our systems. When we're hungry, we eat. When we touch a hot stove, we pull our hand away. Um, so, so self-regulation is, is that um, first step. You know, I talked about order of operations. When you're trying to recover from trauma, the first order of operations is to get control of your body because the number one rule of trauma recovery is that it is impossible to be anxious in a calm body. Wow. I've never heard this before. Somehow I innately knew I needed this, but I, honestly, I'm, I'm so excited to learn about this from you today because, I, you know, I still have those when triggers happen, all that nervous system response. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, how would someone know if they need help with self-regulation and what are the signs that someone's dysregulated? Yeah. Um, so when you are, uh, when you're noticing things about your body, so the interoception's kicking in, you're noticing your heart's racing, or you're noticing um, that maybe your stomach hurts or you're getting a headache, um, what's happening in your body is um, you, you, your brain is making this switch from a normal brain to survival brain. And we call that sympathetic dominance. Your sympathetic nervous system is kicking in. And so your brain, when you're triggered and you're not able to self-regulate, I'm going to kind of go backwards to go forward here, uh, your brain is bathing in this neurochemical cocktail. And, and some of the things that you're noticing are, um, could be um, not a lot of self-awareness. Uh, you're, you're, you're struggling uh, with the ability to kind of self-evaluate. Um, you're, you're, you might be noticing um, anger, uh, tantrums, I call them adult tantrums, where you're just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, going off, off the rails, um, um, hyperactivity, anxiety, um, withdrawing, crying, all of these. And, and the thing you want to understand about this is these are absolutely correct behaviors for a brain in sympathetic dominance. The, God created your brain to be able to do this to survive. The problem is, becomes when your brain is, is, is bathing in this neurochemical cocktail for too long. And then um, we just want to withdraw. We just mm -hmm. want to shut down. So. so I have a question on that then. Um, in regard to um, uh, attachment styles or, sorry, trauma styles, trauma responses. There we go. Um, if someone is in, I can't think of what the uh, trauma response is, that's anger. What is that one called? Well, so that would be fight. Fight. So yes. So if fight, someone's fight in, or freeze. right. So if someone is in a fight response, trauma response, does that mean that their their self regulation is off, or how does that apply? Yeah. Whether you're in fight, flight, or freeze, that's all survival brain, trauma brain um, activity. So fight um, or anger. Uh, fight is the most effective way to survive. So um, if you can fight your way out of it, you're going to. And that's where our, um, our upsets come in, our, our, our arguing or our tendencies to be hostile or, or irrational. We're trying to fight. We're trying to survive. Okay. Um, and then if you can't, if you're not bigger or stronger, you're going to flee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna, um, that's where you'd go to the flight 
Um, and then you just want to run away, avoid all of those behaviors that are associating, associated with that. Let's just so, say you're somebody who is complex and varied in her trauma responses, and she does all of the above. She fights, she flights, she freezes, she fawns, all of those things. How does someone learn? Obviously, that's dysregulation. <clears throat> How does someone learn to self-regulate when their limbic system, their fight or flight, freeze or fawn, is going off? How do you access that part of your, your, your prefrontal cortex, the part that's going to regulate the emotion? How do you get there when you're in that frantic place? Yeah, yeah. Well, and what you have to remember, too, is there's the, um, the overreactions, the fight and flight, and then there's the underreactions, the fawn, the freeze. So the, they're kind of two different things that require two different um, um, awareness skill sets. But the first thing is, is, is the awareness. It's recognizing, okay, I am no longer in my rational brain. <laughs> I am now in trauma brain. And so your first the order of operations, again, is to take a break. Mm. Okay. Just as if um, you uh, you fell and scraped your your knee on the sidewalk and you've got major road rash, you're going to attend to that first, hopefully. So we well, need personally, to... I'll probably scream at everyone to leave me alone, <laughs> and then I'll tend to it. Right, right. It's, it's <laughs> like active, yeah. yeah, immediately acted, activated, right? Yeah, right. So we have to know when our brains have made that switch, and and you can kind of, um, you can catch it in the middle. You know, I, I use sometimes Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain where, you know, he, he talks about flipping your lid and here's your limbic system all exposed. So if you can catch yourself when you're right about in the middle before you've fully flipped, mm. then sometimes you can stop that. Nice, nice. And there are things that you can learn um, that, that will help you to recover. And, and it's really important to know too that according to research, it takes a minimum of 20 minutes to recover from limbic reactivity. Wow. So wow. it's not a fast process. And, and for some of us that have a hard time letting go mm -hmm. of, of whatever the offending behavior is, uh, it, it could take me a good hour. Wow. So we really, self-care is first. So when we feel ourselves ramping up or um, ramping down where we mm -hmm. aren't really touching those emotions. First and foremost, what, it, what I hear you saying is to take a break before you get to that point. And most of us to some degree can feel ourselves ramping up or, you know, shutting down. So take a break for at least 20 minutes. At, at least. And, okay. and you'll get to know as you get better at self-regulation, you'll, you'll learn when, how long it takes you. Okay. Um, when, when you're feeling, uh, more better able to, uh, you know, engage with the world again. Nice. So. Okay. So like self-care, the break period is dependent on the person. Okay. What's next, what's the next thing in the order of operations? Yeah. So, um, so once you've, you, once you're aware, once you've, you've got your interoception going, you're, you're aware that you were triggered and you're aware of what your body's doing. Um, the first thing to do that you want to start to, you want to have this toolbox. So you want to have a recovery toolbox. So the easiest thing, because it's always with you, 
is slow your breathing. And I know that sounds really remedial, mm. but what precipitates that switch from rational brain to survival brain is your, your heart rate. So if you can slow your breathing. So, you know, if, I, if I've got, I've got a, a smartwatch here, if I look at it and I go, oh, my um, heart rate is uh, 96. It's actually not, it's 72. But <laughs> if it was there, the first thing I'd do is start taking some deep breaths. So like box breathing would be a yeah, way to do that? Yeah, square breathing. I always call this square breathing, you know, four mm-hmm. sides to a square. Breathe in for four, hold it for four-ish. Um, let go for four and repeat that four times. Okay, so I have an admission to make. I actually hate the breathing box, and I don't know why. There's probably something connected to that. Eileen, maybe we can unpack that yeah. in counseling sometime. Eileen, are you taking clients? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did see, and I think it's because it's um, it forces me to slow down when I'm speeding up, and I don't want to slow down. I want to speed up and run. But I saw a cute little thing um, on social media as of late where um, – this little girl was actually helping her mother and she held up four fingers Aww. like they were candles and she blew out each candle. How so, cute. and so for me, I don't know why the breathing box bugs me. I know there's some psychology behind it, but the idea of blowing out the four fingers or the four candles was something I could manage. Mm-hmm. And um, so I love that this, this concept that we are going to, breathe because it's not just a mental one which obviously there is but it's it yeah. causes a physiological response in your body correct absolutely mm-hmm. and and you're what you're doing there is you're thinking um sometimes people that have been uh told to calm down yes that's really annoying oh yeah, yeah. really annoying so um you kind of have to create a new narrative for yourself and say okay i've been injured this is an injury to my soul. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing this for me. Yeah. So I'd just like help. to add that I box breathing does work for me. So it's just an adage that different things work for different bodies. But yes. I didn't realize I was self-regulating. I actually put myself to sleep that way when I was Perfect. in trauma. I'd try to do it 10 times when I couldn't get to sleep. And I never made it to 10 before I conked out. And I I think part of the reason is my heart rate was slowing, but also I was flooding my body with oxygen. Is that, is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're slowing everything down. Can I share another one with you? Yes. Please. So this is body scan. So as I'm talking to you and as, as you're going about your day, you can do this as many times a day as you want. It start at the top of your head and just notice is there anywhere in me that's tense? Because remember what I said about that it's impossible to be anxious in a calm body? Yes. So you start with your head. You, I just you sent know. my shoulders just dropped and my wrists dropped go. and my glutes unclenched. <laughs> well, and you just mentioned two places, um, two places that women tend to hold stress in their body. Most commonly, it's the neck and shoulders. Mm-hmm. So that's one area, um, gut, but that's not the most uh, common area. The other most common area is your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, do a quick Kegels. If, you, if you're not sure if you're tight, do that and relax. Nobody will know you're doing it. Um, <laughs> and, and you can do this with your entire body. Like you said, glutes, uh, belly, arms, um, and just, just kind of try to wet noodle yourself wherever you, I mean, don't, collapse on the floor but if you're sitting in a chair (laughs) you can be relaxed and and uh those things together are really helpful and you mentioned sleep when you are 
uh, asleep, your body's a dead weight. And um, so if you can just um, check yourself into sinking into the bed, you'll be asleep in no time. Tricking your body, letting you know it's time to go beddy bye. Yeah, that's nice. a great tip. Thank you. Um, are there more uh, order of operations you'd like to go over or uh, at this point? Or the, another question I have is what are some common challenges people face when trying to regulate their emotions and behaviors? Yeah. Um, so the challenges um, tend to uh, increase with the amount of trauma and how long somebody's been struggling. So if somebody's been bathing in that cocktail I described for years and years, they might not even know what it feels like and they may need to get a little additional help. There are lots of other um, kind of things that you can do on your own to, to uh, calm your body. You know, one is uh, getting away from the stressor, not thinking about it, doing something that's relaxing for you, um, all of the, those types of things, calling a friend, things that you already know about. However, if those things aren't working or they're working sporadically or they work for the five minutes you're doing them and then they don't, then you might need to seek outside help. And, okay. and that's um, so some of the other um, body type of therapies, the trauma therapies, because the thing about um, PTSD, whether it's betrayal trauma induced or something else induced, uh, sometimes we need to... Um, go out outside you know and 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 get help so some other body therapies are emdr so emdr therapy uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing has to do with accessing the limbic system directly so and and reducing the disturbance of uh, particular memories um, it's an amazing therapy uh, and it's a treatment of choice for people who have had um, that have PTSD or have had trauma. Um, some other ones include somatic experiencing, where you're working with a therapist um, and they're helping you to, to locate the parts of your body that are, that are absorbing the stress and helping you to relax them. Um, Trauma-informed yoga is another thing that's actually a thing. Wow. Um, so stretching, um, and that, that's actually something you can do on your own is, is yoga, but if it's not enough, you can go to a trauma-informed uh, yoga therapist. Yeah. As a massage therapist, we do somatic work in the massage room as well because we know that the body does keep the score and that muscles do hold memory, um, which is really amazing. I'm going to take us back for just a second about EMDR because a lot of people have heard about EMDR. And one of the things that I regret so much as a mom, when, the, when my kid's dad went to prison, um, they said, do you want them to have, I had to sign a form for them to do EMDR and they explained what it is. I'm like, that's woo woo. You ain't getting into my kid's brain. No way. And now my kids are 25 and 28 and I'm like, dang it. I did such a disservice to them um, by not letting them have EMDR at the ages of seven and 10. So can you explain to our listeners um, what the benefit of EMDR is? I mean, there's this thing that we've heard called brain spotting, but does EMDR... Do you have to, when you process something, is it, is that like a checkbox or do you have to keep coming back to it? Like, what is it actually doing for the client to have it done in layman's terms? Yeah. Yeah. So people do think woo woo like you did because <laughs> they hear eye movement and they think hypnosis or mm -hmm. they think it's 
kind of weirdness. Um, what it really, the, the eye movement, um, it, it's bilateral stimulation. So what the research has shown us is that when you use these, this bilateral movement stimulation, whatever it is, whether it's, it's eyes, whether it's um, tones in the ears, um, whether it's hand buzzers, uh, whether it's tapping, uh, you know, left, right, left, right. What that does is as you're thinking about a traumatic memory, it, it distracts the brain a little bit, it distracts the limbic system, and you're able to um, think about this with less disturbance. And oh. so over time, that has, and it also has a really calming effect on the body that right left. Um, Francine Shapiro, who kind of founded this therapy, she discovered, she discovered it by walking. Just the left, right, left, right. And she was um, talking with someone about what was disturbing for her. And she, by the time she got back, she realized she wasn't as disturbed. Wow. So that's when she started the research on it. Powerful. Yeah. So you'll have the memory, but mm -hmm. it is, its power, its emotional trigger response and all that is softer yeah, more it becomes quiet. muted yeah okay. people have told me um it fades like the image of it fades I've, I've had that reported a lot that they said it's like it's getting farther away wow that's cool. beautiful mm -hmm. yeah 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 so what would you say what role do you believe self-regulation plays in building and maintaining healthy relationships both with yourself and with others yeah. Well, and if you think about it, if you are in that hypervigilant, in that um, fight or flight state, you can't really have a conversation with somebody. <laughs> True. You know, you're outside of your um, window of tolerance, so to speak. You know, Absolutely. you're overstimulated or understimulated. So, um, and, and then you've got this part of your brain that, that when, when, you, when that happens, when you're in your fight or flight brain, um, you start telling stories. And the stories coincide with what you've experienced in the mm -hmm. past. So there, they, it says things like, um, they'll never change. Uh, we're back to square one. This is hopeless. Um, all of these things that your, your trauma brain is telling you. And then, of course, we know the enemy reinforces that, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. this will never work. Just leave him. Just, you know, all of these things. Absolutely. And so that's how we know um, why we can't do this work. Um, and that's kind of talk about order of operations with couples. You've got to learn to take care of yourself first. You have to learn to self-regulate. And don't even try to have a conversation don't even try to engage until you're feeling calm. Yeah. That's kind of where it comes in because otherwise your brain will keep telling you stories based on the trauma reactivity and not on um, all the things that we want to think on, which is hope and peace and recovery and health. Uh, we, it's hard to focus on those when you're trying to survive. I remember a therapist telling me years ago when I had experienced a, a family trauma that what was happening in that state was that my body was, my vital organs were literally being flooded and soaked in adrenaline and, uh, and not being able to self-regulate. She didn't use that terminology, but I'm understanding now that that's what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. So she was trying to get me to focus on, on myself instead of dealing with the issue. Um, so self-care first 
And she said that uh, these repeated uh, experiences, flight, you know, trauma responses, which were washing my vital organs in adrenaline, were studies are showing that that's how we get cancer, that's how we get Parkinson's, that's how we get these, you know, major diseases because you're. It's almost like your own body is attacking itself, and we can't maintain that level of stress for so long. So thank you for clarifying that for me. Yeah. And it's not just adrenaline, you know, we associate adrenaline with that, you know, feeling of being amped up, but it's cortisol. Mm -hmm. And cortisol is the thing that's your stress hormone. And when you and it's great for, you know, when you need to run away from a rabid dog or something like that. It's a bear. Right, a bear. Um, And it's not so great when you're trying to trying to heal. Um, and so when you have lots of cortisol coursing through your body, cortisol causes inflammation. It's supposed to, that's how God designed it, but not long-term and long-term it does all kinds of damage. Um, think of all the inflammatory diseases we have, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, um, heart disease, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, arthritis. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm in the middle of trauma and, um, things are just really stressful and I'm trying to work things out with my husband and I'm having these inflammatory responses and these cortisol issues, which are waking me up at three 30 every night and all of that in regard to self-regulation. What if I just feel like everything is so chaotic? I can't, I can't see up from down. What would, what would be my first step in? I mean, you said breathing. That's Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. But where would I go if I'm in this place where it's like an emotional vertigo? I, I need space for my husband, but I'm supposed to be working on things with him. And that's really confusing. How am I supposed to work on things when he's triggering the, all these responses in me and I'm trying to work, I'm trying to raise kids and all of that. If someone's in this state, which, which I would probably call just a, um, well, we call it betrayal trauma. If they're, if they have trauma brain, what would be the first step for them to take? Maybe the second step, maybe even the third step. Could you just maybe give us three little steps as to what they can do if they're in this place? Mm-hmm. I think the first step is being kind to yourself hmm. and being gentle with yourself and, and, and understanding that this isn't because you're wrong, bad, different, or broken. This has to do with... Uh, you're trying to survive. This isn't about who you are. It's about what happened to you. So being gentle with yourself, I think it's the first step. Because if you're trying to fight against it, Mm -hmm. you're trying to fight against this very thing that God set up to protect you. So being gentle with yourself is really the first step. Saying, okay, Eileen, it's been rough, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. This is hard. If you had somebody there, that's the first thing you're going to want to hear. Yeah, I get it. This is tough. Yeah. It's almost like speaking to your child within, too, if you've yeah. had childhood trauma. This is really rough. Yeah. And all of these things are important. And it's 3 in the morning. What do you think you need the most right now? Oh, yeah. And you're probably going to hear sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's sleep. Let's put, this, let's put this in a box. We're going to put it in our box. It'll still be there when we wake up, but right now we're going to just rest. And you're going to be okay. Just being gentle with yourself is the first step. Yeah. 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 I remember a dear friend of mine when I was in my 20s and did not know how to self-regulate at all 
telling me to take my cares and close my eyes and picture putting them in a box, wrapping it in a beautiful bow, mm -hmm. and walking up the steps to God's throne, seeing him lean down and reach his hands out to me, Amen. and putting that box in his hands, and just leaving it there in his care. Amen. Turning around, walking down the steps, she said, stop halfway if you need to, look back up, make sure he still has the box and you haven't taken it back somehow, and walk the rest of the way down. And just to have a deep breathing moment and letting, letting that go out of my hands and into God's. So I love yeah. you, Chris, so much because you always paint these pictures, these really gorgeous pictures of trusting Christ. And it's, it's always like, oh, I, I, I would use the word cinematic. Like I can hear the music in the background. You know what mine looks like? And mine... choir in the yeah, background. Yeah, exactly. You know what mine... Actually, Eileen, I think you described this to me. I think one time I asked, I'm like, how do you hold space for all this trauma? But this is what mine looks like. It's coming at me in a flood, and I'm frantically taking my bucket of over full water, and I'm dumping it into the cistern next to me, like quickly, quickly, like I'm bailing out of a boat, like water's coming at me, and I'm bailing out of a boat, and you've got this beautiful picture of a box and a bow, and you're taking it to God. I need to access more of that. I should probably be friends with you and see if I can <laughs> access more of that, because my responses are just so dramatic. It too, well, has, you... it too has music in the background, but it's it's not the beautiful music that you have is it hard screamo rock in yeah, yours it's like panic get out <laughs> yeah Bam. i mean honestly i was so in so so much stress uh mm. at that point in my life again this was my early 20s that i i did not have the ability to come up with that visual it was mm. a friend yeah our friend named karen who who shared that with me and gave me that visual to hang on to because I could not come up with that myself, which speaks to the importance of community and reaching out to trusted inner circle friends and letting them help you. Those bolder bears that we need yeah. and, you know, and so I was so desperately thankful for, so hugely thankful for in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I couldn't have thought of that on my own. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and your image, Jen, of, of this desperately bailing that's limbic isn't it yeah i think i i, I think i live pretty limbically because <laughs> yeah, that's and and so so again this is recognizing right yeah. so okay wait that's not that's not relaxing that's me trying to save myself yeah instead of accepting that this is where i am this is what's going on responding with kindness and then giving it to the lord mm -hmm. i like that um visual too in the Bible about where in Revelation it talks about the golden bowl of incense which are the prayers of the saints mm -hmm. and sometimes I just put my stuff in there and I watch it go up oh I that's love beautiful. that visual that's really helpful for me am I going yeah. to be charged for this session <laughs> I've just no no this is this is pro bono okay well fantastic we're grateful <laughs> we're all grateful so just going over the order of operations again for our listeners, would you would you go down from taking a break and just go down the whole list from there? Yeah, please. Taking a break, responding with kindness to yourself, um, doing those. So number one is is taking care of your body, um, doing those things. And and if you're having trouble with that, you go to the next step. Go get help. Okay. And and. Um, Trauma in particular, I mean, there are some things that are easier to treat than others. Trauma takes time, and we have to understand that it takes time. Um, probably the, um, 
one of the most traumatized people I've ever worked with. It was a good five years before she felt functional. And everybody's not going to take that long. But we do have to understand that we can't go to counseling for um, three months and think we're going to be better. Um, we have to give our butt. This didn't start in a day, and it's not going to end in a day. But you can have relief from it fairly quickly if you start doing those things that you know to do. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So true. Eileen, we're wrapping up our podcast asking each of our guests to share an encouraging word with our listeners or a word of hope. Is there something that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah. You know, you're not alone. We've all been there. Uh, no one is immune from trauma because we live in a sinful world. And it's not, I said this earlier, it's not because you're bad, wrong, different, or broken. It's not about who you are because who you are is God's chosen. Mm -hmm. Who you are is a wonderful masterpiece created by a loving, caring God. And so our, our goal is to get back to that place, and you can do that with help. Uh, reach out, don't be afraid. Uh, the, the one thing the enemy tries to do is saying, you're, you're, you're the worst case. There's no hope for you, but there's hope for everyone. So um, those are the, probably the best encouraging words that I would have liked to have heard and did hear. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing this gift of knowledge with us today. And I love your list. It's a great takeaway. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, just appreciate you and you using your gifts and your talents and how wonderfully and fearfully you're made to bless the body of Christ and, and just bless all, all of our listeners today. So thank you for your time and your expertise. We're grateful for you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on again. Thank you so thank much, you. Eileen. And thank you listeners for tuning in and being a part of our podcast community. Your support is valuable and we are here to serve you. Now remember that healing is a journey, not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovery and transformation together, know that you are never alone. Stay strong, stay hopeful, keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. Until next time, take good care and keep embracing your journey of healing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. We hope you've been helped and encouraged. If you value the content we shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show. Need personalized guidance? Please contact Chris or Jen for transformative coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance Ministries.